It's the second season of Abundantly Charged. Coming up in this episode, what is curiosity and wonder? Stay tuned. Welcome to our second season of Abundantly Charged. We're your hosts, Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter, and Jill Lewis, CEO of Brilliance and Beyond. As we begin to think about life on the other side of a global pandemic, we realize that everything in life is forever changed. We are all in the midst of creating new routines in all aspects of our lives, from how we shop, to how we socialize, to how we travel, and spend our free time. We are contemplating new ways to think about how we integrate work and home, and even how we educate our children. We've learned our children cannot and should not be measured on high-stakes tests alone. There are multiple ways to connect with our students, and we need to move away from a one-size-fits-all approach to teaching and learning. We need to engage our students in pedagogy and experiences that respect each student's human desire to learn, and that the cultivation of curiosity and wonder in our curriculum and in our instruction invites each of our students to experience profound relevance and connection to the people and the world around them. Join us as we explore how to cultivate wonder and curiosity in abundantly charged classrooms. Hello and welcome to Abundantly Charged. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler. And I'm Jill Lewis. And together, Grant and I are very excited to welcome you to our second season of this podcast. During our hiatus, Jill and I did a lot of thinking, a lot of talking, a lot of coffee was drunk, and thinking about the future of Abundantly Charged, not just as a podcast, but as a complete line of services to support our teachers, leaders, and students as we reimagine teaching and learning. In this episode, we'll explore our thinking behind this concept of being abundantly charged. We know that teaching has always been hard work, and we also know that it is definitely not for the faint of heart. It requires intense people skills coupled with content knowledge, pedagogical expertise, and definitely that heart and a big heart at that point. What does this mean? How did we get here? Over the past two and a half years, we've found a lot of different ways to serve our children. And we know our children cannot and should not be measured on high stakes tests alone. So there is a time and place for these kinds of assessments, but the whole person is so much more than one test at one particular time. I can tell you that if I was to be held to my test scores for the rest of my life that I took in elementary, middle, and high school, ooh, I would not be doing what I do now. And how we measure students' growth and learning must encompass more than the actual test. It needs to be formative and summative. We need to look at things that students are doing inside of school and outside of school. We are being called to change the current paradigm to showcase the students' ability in a holistic manner. Grant, tell us a little bit more. What do you think about how we are moving our students in a direction to really be productive citizens in the world around them. 
you know, this is a this is a really big big idea behind uh, what we're talking about. Um, there there was a good reason why we why there was such a shift to high stakes tests, right? And there was a lot of issues around equity, uh, around equal opportunity for success, and you know. It's very difficult to, 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 to measure and judge schools and, and make some comparisons without a, without a similar way of looking at it. Um, but what we found is that, that that's, that's simply not an accurate measure. That's a snapshot of where a kid is on any particular day. We're going to talk a lot about this deficit model in episode two. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to refrain from saying some of those things that I, I hope you come back for next week and listen to it in the, in the second episode. But we've really got to think about learning as more than just what we do today because we want somebody to take a test at the end of the year and we want them to do well. Now, and I just want to say, it's not that we're saying that we shouldn't be assessing our students. Absolutely, we need to be assessing our students. But I think it goes back to what kinds of priorities we're putting on that assessment and what that assessment means. We've got a snapshot. And here's just a quick example. My daughter reads like all the time. She has a book in hand and it is constant. Yet on her test scores, she comes back and she's like, mom, I did it again. I totally messed it up. The questions didn't get harder. And I just, I, it was not accurate. She knows it, but I can't figure out what it is that she's not doing to show what she actually knows. And so it's, it's, you know, sitting on a, on a computer for her, taking an assessment with everybody around her. I think it just messes her up up, but she does not show what she actually knows. So this is where we've got to look at how can we identify what students know and are able to do in a different manner rather than just the high stakes test that is given at the end of the year. And I just want to reiterate our point. Our point is that our children cannot and should not be measured on high stakes tests alone. Mm-hmm. The key term here is alone. What yeah. else have we learned, Jill? Well, the other things that Grant and I have really come into connection with is that there are definitely multiple ways to connect with our students, and we need to move away from this one-size-fits-all approach to teaching and learning. This begins with relationships. This means we must find ways to see each student fully and individually, the strengths of their personality, their aptitude for learning, their goals that sparks that shine. Those are all things that we need to be looking for. We also need to see how to support them in their social and emotional wellness, their development of their executive functioning skills, and more importantly, their dreams and goals. We need to create these opportunities for real talk. And as adults, we need to actively listen. So, you know, it goes back to what happens when we are, when we free ourselves up to think beyond just the high stakes test. And I get it. There's been, there are so many things in public education across the country that really need to be looked at significantly. And, you know, in some states, I know in my state, for example, you know, how a kid does on a high stakes test is is almost 50% of a teacher's evaluation. We have reduced 
this idea of humanity to how a kid does on a particular test at the end of the year. And then we're judging teachers solely based on that. And that really limits, I mean, if, if that's my only way of being of, of being evaluated, of being, of being told whether I'm doing a good job or not, then that's going to give me a very narrow vision of, of what it is that I'm doing. And I think what I see, and I think Jill, we see the same thing is we're really losing sight of the fact that these are little people growing up to be big people, humans in the, in the real world. And we lose sight of all of that. If we, if we only look through that lens of um, I got to get everybody in this room today to that test and to that marker uh, or, or whatever marker it is, right, uh, by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I um, I think of, of different kids because there are different thinkers. A lot of them don't necessarily think in that linear line. They're divergent thinkers. They create very differently. And what we also, the way we do our assessments and the way we have our tests, they don't necessarily really pick out what all students are really good at. It is a very specific measurement in a specific manner to measure certain goals and aspects, but it also leads us to not necessarily giving them um, ways that they can think differently when they're solving that problem. We're looking really when those tests are scored. And I can tell you, I actually was um, part of a creator of the CSAP here in Colorado, which was years ago. Right. And, um, And just some of the things that I have learned over the course of time, as I've moved through my career, it was not the best course of action of how to assess our students and what it truly means. So when we recap so far, our children cannot and should not be measured on high stakes tests alone. And two, there are multiple ways to connect with our students, and we need to move away from a one size fits all approach to teaching and learning. What's our third thing that we've learned, Jill? Absolutely, that we need to engage our students in pedagogy and experiences that respect each student's human desire to learn. Desire to learn is that key phrase here. Educators no longer hold captive students through pouring out what is in their heads in students into students, expecting that the same students will harness all of their wisdom without connecting without experiencing, without thinking, and without questioning what is being taught. This is a big one. This is a really, really big one because what we're doing is we're asking kids to think. We're teaching kids to think and question and wonder. Um, and, And yet we're also asking them to connect with others so that they can hear those experiences and that they can grow their own experience in seeing the world in very different ways. You know, the human desire to learn is really, really powerful. And we got to really think about how we how we tap that, how we open that, how we respect that, because there isn't a kid who comes to school that doesn't have the human desire to learn. We need to engage our students in pedagogy and experiences that respect each student's human desire to learn. And then that brings us to what this mm podcast and what our work with Abundantly Charged is all about, Jill. So take it away. 
Yes. Okay. So abundantly charged is about the cultivation of curiosity and wonder in our curriculum and our instruction that invites each of our students to experience profound relevance and connection to the world around them. Society has changed drastically. It changed way before the pandemic, but now is the time to take all that we know that works well and elevate that into our instructional paradigms. It is imperative that we set forth the path forward to create a climate and a norm of curiosity and wonder daily. I'm just going to define those and then we can talk about it, right? What does it mean then for us to be abundantly charged? It means cultivating curiosity and wonder in today's classrooms. And curiosity and wonder are natural results of teachers facilitating joy-filled learning. Um, I just finished a, a draft of a manuscript that we'll talk about in a few minutes. And that is one of, one of the key ideas in this book is that curiosity and wonder are natural results of teachers facilitating what we call joy-filled learning. And we'll explore that in a minute. But from that, comes what, how Jill and I define curiosity and wonder. And I'm going to define those for you, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. We define curiosity as a strong desire to explore something that is interesting, challenging, and relevant to your life. So curiosity is a noun. We define curiosity as a strong desire to explore something that is interesting, challenging and relevant to your life. And then the verb is wonder. And we define wonder as a way to think about, to study, or to explore something that is interesting, challenging, and relevant to your life. Jill, why is this so important? Well, when we thought about, you know, curiosity and wonder, really, that is what keeps us going. That's what lights up people when they get out of bed. It's through that curiosity and wonder of what is going to happen today? What am I going to solve today? How am I going to explore this particular subject matter? Because I know that I need to become more efficient or I need to become better, or it's just something that I'm absolutely interested in. When we think about curiosity and wonder in the classroom, what that does is it opens a host of looking at the students' needs. It also makes connections with students because they are the ones then that are driving the subject matter, not necessarily the skill set that they need, but the actual subject of how or what it is they're studying. It's the topic. Then I think back to students of mine who, you know, maybe has struggled as a reader or as a writer or even as a mathematician, but man, you put them out on, on a course where you have motocross bikes and they are leading the pack and yet they know how to do the whole motor and know all of these different things. It's because the topic, it's the subject matter, their interest is what got them to learn all of those different things. And so how do we make those connections to where we can connect to all of those other pieces that we know that really allows them to be successful human beings with the reading, the writing, and the math, and all of those other subject areas? Absolutely. This whole idea of 
curiosity and wonder. It is completely connected to neuroscience. It's completely connected to how the brain works. And you know, it's really important for us to remember that every single student who comes to our classrooms, whether or not they demonstrate that, they have curiosity and wonder, we just need to tap that. So Grant, due out in January of 2023, the book written by none other than you and your co-author, Kathleen Budge, Powerful Student Care, defines a number of different tenants. I just have to say congratulations. This is so exciting because I've been kind of on this path with you as you've been writing, and it's just so exciting to be able to celebrate you and Kathleen's work. It's just so exciting. So let's dig into the tenant. Um, each student is here to experience the joy of learning academically, socially, and emotionally, and exactly how that relates to curiosity and wonder. Well, thank you for that. And I really, you know, it is a, uh, was a, it was, it's a profound experience to put something like that together. Uh, and uh, Kathleen and I are working now with the editors. It will be an ASCD book. We're looking forward to uh, that becoming uh, published and available to everybody in, in January of, of 2023. But one of the things that we talk about in the book, and you know, we won't, we won't talk about the book per se, but one of the things that's really important uh, about that book is that we talk about the research around joy-filled learning. And that research is not Kathleen's or mine. We use that research and joy, you know, somebody, sometimes you hear the word joy-filled learning and you go, oh, are you saying that learning has to be fun? No, that's not at all what we're saying, right? And there are, in the, in the literature, there are very specific things that, that characterize what joy-filled learning means. And, and some of those things are that it's challenging, right? That it is it's something that's interesting and that it is also something that a student finds relevant to their lives and to, and to not only to their life now, but their life in the future. And we write these tenants in a very specific way. Uh, and I'm not going to read you the whole tenant because, you know, I certainly want to invite you to, to, to read the book. But um, one of the things that we say to students when we want them to experience this tenet of joy-filled learning, right? And it's joy-filled learning academically, socially, and emotionally. So we think all three of them together, that learning is not just academic content, but it's also social and emotional wellness all built into that. And one of the things that, that, we, that we say in the book is that we want, and we hope teachers say directly to students, we want you to think that what you are learning is interesting, that it challenges you in just the right way, and that it is relevant to your life. And that we hope students would say to us, this is the place where I learn and grow. This is the place that stretches me. I'm motivated here, I'm excited here, I'm curious here, I feel wonder here, and I feel purpose here. And so when we think about that joy-filled learning, that that tenant that again we'll talk about in a, in a greater in a greater context later of, of of powerful student care. It it certainly made sense then that when as Jill and I were talking about 
where do we go after this pandemic? And what is it that we really need to, to support as districts and teachers and leaders are reimagining the new normal, whatever that is, right? Whatever, whatever a new normal is, that, that those two words become really important. Curiosity and wonder. And I'm just gonna, before I turn it back to Jill for a minute, I just wanna read those definitions again one more time. And we'll be revisiting those throughout this season of Abundantly Charged. Next week, we're going to talk about um, the, 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 the conflict between curiosity and wonder and the deficit model that we seem to always use in education. So stay tuned uh, next week on the 24th for a look at the deficit model. But we define curiosity as that strong desire to explore something that is interesting, challenging, and relevant, and wonder as a way to think about, to study, and explore that. Jill? Great. Yeah. You know, and Grant, I just want to um, tap into a few things here. In part of the tenant, you referred to these three different words that really stuck out to me. Interesting, challenging, and relevant. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to have happening in our classrooms daily as well as just even within our actual schools and within our districts, our work needs to be interesting, challenging, and relevant. And that's when it becomes authentic. So we're looking at authenticity of the learning that is occurring, no matter where you're at in your learning journey. The other thing too, that it really stuck out to me is all of those pieces. uh, When you think about the tenant is that in order to be able to do that, it has to be a safe place. Like you as a person have to have that safe place to land because failure is going to happen. And if you don't have that safe place to land, then getting into that challenging bit, you won't take, you won't take that challenge and you won't apply that motivation to that challenge because it's not a safe place. So I think of immediately Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how that immediately just really transcends everything that we have here that you have in the tenant, because it's going to create a place where things can be interesting, challenging, and relevant. Curiosity and wonder must permeate every aspect of our learning in our classrooms. Today, students' voice, autonomy, and drive must dictate how, why, and what we teach daily. When this happens, students engage and answer the big question. What in the world do I want to explore today? Thank you so much for joining Grant and me. Until next time, let's remain abundantly charged. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Abundantly Charged. New episodes drop every Tuesday afternoon beginning May 17th and running through June 28th. Jill and I will take a short break and we'll return with season three in August. Join the Abundantly Charged virtual community, which launches July 1st. If you would like subscription information, email us at abundantlycharged at gmail.com. Abundantly Charged is a production of Students Matter LLC and Brilliance and Beyond LLC. Our show's theme music, Something Different, was written and performed by Reve and obtained through soundstripe.com. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss an episode. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, and it can also be found on our website, 
at https colon forward slash forward slash abundantly dash charged dot captivate dot fm forward slash episodes. If you like our show, please leave us a review. We would love to hear what you like. Until next time, remember, let's remain abundantly charged.